Of course, a year ago this weekend, Hurricane Harvey hit here in Houston and changed all of our lives to some extent, and um, some of your lives in really, really significant ways. Um, we wanted to recognize or honor or just, just bring up the, the families here at Redeemer whose homes were flooded and who were forced out of their places and left with their heads spinning and their hearts um, anxious about, um, about what would be. So I want to invite them up. If, if, if you're one of those families, would you please come on up here on stage? Um, come on, the Payros and the Cates, I see you. Lauren Butler, Miss Phyllis, come on up, please. Stevens, there you go, ladies. No, that's all right. There's, uh, there's more of our families who aren't here this morning. Um, but this is Durward and Heather Cates and Lauren Butler and Phyllis McLennan and Joey and Jenny Payro and Ron and Andrea Oliver. And I'm so sorry. Alexis. Alexis. What's your last name, Alexis? Uh, well, the, uh, I lost my mom. My mom was in Haiti. Very good. And you all were flooded. You were flooded. Goodness, we're so glad that you're here. You. you bet. And John and Bev Stevens. Um, I was thinking about you all in a passage of Scripture that, that came to mind. The Apostle Paul had been to Thessalonica and planted a new church in Thessalonica. And then he was chased out of town. And he wanted to get back to the Thessalonican church, the Thessalonians, because he knew that they were going through a hard time. Um, much tribulation and distress. And he wanted to get back to him, but he said that he couldn't. He was, Satan thwarted him, he said. And he, he tried and he tried and he tried and, and he couldn't. And so he sent Timothy to go back to Thessalonica and to see how they were doing. And Timothy came back to him and gave him a report of how they were doing, how this, these Christians who were going through such hardship were doing. And he wrote this, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, meaning Paul is saying, I, I couldn't endure it any longer. I wanted to come to you and I couldn't. When I could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. He was, he was nervous that the hardship and the affliction that they were experiencing, that Satan would use that to draw their hearts away from faith in God and trusting Him and persevering. He was, he was fearful of it, that Satan would have taken advantage of the hardship and disrupted their faith. And then in verse 6 he says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love 
and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. He was scared that Satan would have taken advantage of their hardship and destroyed their faith. And yet he sent Timothy and Timothy came back and said their faith is strong and their love is wonderful. And that's so true of every one of y'all. You all have been a tremendous just example. You all went through a hard, hard time. And we're going to look at it in just a little bit, how Satan, in those times, would try to have his way. Um, But not with you all. Not with you all. Thank you for your faithfulness. What an incredible example to all of us. Trusting, and I know you had your days. (laughs) Bunches of them, I'm sure, but... Wonderful example of of faith in God in the midst of hard times. Amen? I asked if any of them or all of them wanted to say anything, and and I think maybe a couple of them are going to maybe say something. Joey, would you mind grabbing Mark's microphone right behind you? Is it still on? Sounds like it. Would you mind? Yeah, um, I think one of you know, Mitch said to think about things that we learned or things that we can we took away from Harvey and everything. And um, I think for us, we left the Friday before, and so we were in my parents' house in Louisiana, and we kind of were watching it all unfold uh, on Facebook and through text messages and pictures we were getting and just updates on the news. And um, that was Friday, and as the, as the next Friday came, we were well aware that our house was had flooded. We had seen a video, just a random news clip, and they were on a boat, and they passed our house, and it was the first time that we, we had the visual, and it was just really overwhelming. Um, we kind of knew it was coming, but hadn't seen it, you know, and uh, for whatever reason at that moment, it was just like, let's load the car up, and it's time to get back, and so that next Friday, we, uh, we packed the car. We took a picture because it was uh, the back of my wife's car, and it just, you know, little CX-9, so it's not like a big Suburban, just the smallest area, and it was all we had, you know, and it was all we knew we had, and uh, the funniest part is we took a selfie on the way out of Louisiana of all of us together, and we're all smiling because we were all together, you know, and uh, regardless of what we were driving back to, we knew we had each other, and um, I remember pulling into Katie, stayed with the mares and um, it was the best feeling because we were home and I think one of the biggest takeaways of, of all this for me and, and probably Jenny would say the same is just this church I mean Katie is where we live this church is kind of our home you know and um, that was reiterated time and time again uh, throughout all of it we came to church that you know actually we got back into the Katie that Friday we stayed with the mares and uh, we watched football and spent the day running around trying to find a place to live and um, can't thank Mitch and Tara enough for helping us you know Mitch had seen a rental house in their neighborhood and we made a few calls to a realtor he knew and 
we got the house and you know it was amazing um, we went back to our house that Monday morning and by Monday afternoon we had signed the contract on the rental house and by the time I got home that evening from hearing out the, our, our, our house this rental house was fully furniture kitchen food um, friends had even gone together and we had a bed the kids all had beds another friend was wanted to make sure our kids had sheets and Claire had a pink comforter and you know just all the things that um, to make sure that not just the you know taking care of but that they were comfortable and um, so those are just all just things that, that I kind of keep holding on to that I couldn't possibly say thanks enough to everybody that you know Ryan Backey canoed with me Saturday and Sunday through some of the nastiest water <laughs> you have ever seen in your life to uh, help us tear out and get all the furniture and the cloth stuff out of our house that Monday morning um, through a connection with Mitch we had a guy that was there that kind of head up the project but before before lunchtime there were 12 to 14 guys plus Kara from Redeemer that had trounced through four foot of water to get to our house you know and by Tuesday afternoon it was it was done and so um, you know you talk about gifts and your giftedness and somebody else's giftedness well everybody's gifts in, in a time like that um, are so important you know and that, I think that was just another thing that kept sticking out and the last thing I think, and it's it's a hard, still a year later, kind of thinking through it, but there's something profound about standing on that curb and, and seeing the stuff. And we have a corner lot, and it's a long, it's a long, pretty long, you know, slot there on the edge. And from one end to the other were everything, you know, every couch and bed and dresser and our kids' stuff. And you know, you stand there and look at it, and there are things that are in meaningful, and I don't. I'm not discounting any of the, the personal mementos or pictures or things that you can't replace. So that's not what I'm saying. But um, to realize that all this material stuff that we cling to so hard sometimes, it's uh, its final place is always that, you know, in a, in, a, in a pile wet and stinky and in a state of decay. So um, those are the things I think that stick out the most. But thanks to Redeemer and uh, so many of you guys that were um, so incredibly thoughtful and to my family and I know to, to everybody else's as well. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. Maybe hold it a little closer than Joey. Well, y'all all know who I am. <laughs> but um, I just want to say that one of my, my biggest statements, and all of you have heard me say this, nobody's going to steal my joy. <laughs> well, Harvey tried, <laughs> but he didn't succeed. And I think if, if a hurricane had to come at any time, this was the best time in my life because I had the, the backing of all of y'all. I had the church family. I was grounded in my faith. I knew that the Lord was walking beside me the whole way. And it, this is just, a, I mean, he said it all, you know. It's just stuff. And I've gained so much more friends from this and just knowing that all of y'all are right there beside me. I was taken in by the Sheridan with my dog. <laughs> How they put up with me, I don't know, and they still speak to me. Ward <laughs> uh, and Berta provided me a car. I lost everything, so, you know, that was a blessing. And just all of you who pitched in, giving, making sure I had furniture, making sure my pictures were hung, making sure my house was painted, just 
and, and sending a crew from Denton Bible three times to my house to muck it out. And again, not here, but thanks to Matt Farlow, too, who saved me through this whole thing. He rescued me, and so did Mitch. He picked me up at the end of uh, at Beck Junior High. And uh, I don't know what, a, what I would have done if I had to go out through a boat. I probably would have drowned in the water. Who knows? Because I almost did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all I can say is that this has changed me a lot for the good. I mean, I know that God has walked beside me this whole way, and I'm just so thankful for all of y'all. Two things I learned from this experience is one, trust. Uh, complete trust in the Lord. I sent my pregnant wife and two girls to robot by themselves. Because I had to work. I worked six days straight. It's a fireman. Fireman, so, yeah. yeah. Pulling people out of the water. And the whole time, not knowing if they're going to be okay. I'm Mormon. Um, and so the my family verse, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in everything believe in him, for he will make straight your paths. I take that to heart. And the second one was, uh, was to let you guys help me. I am a stubborn man, and uh, I serve. That's what I do. That's my love language. That's uh, what I'm good at. And I literally had to let you, this church, help me. Because while all that was still going on, I still had to work. And that was two, three, four days in a row. And uh, leaving my wife and kids there without a house. And you guys came and took dry cleaning from the dry cleaners. You took all the sheets. You packed everything up for us in boxes. Uh, you helped uh, tear down and rebuild. And all, all this time, I, I was so mad. Because I was like, God, I don't want to be helped. <laughs> and in a study, God spoke to me. He said, as Paul was... Uh, teaching in Philippi. I was doing a study in Philippians. And he said, appreciation, support, and Paul said, uh, of course, you all know 413, I can do all things that Christ has strengthened me. Paul went on to say in verse 17, he said, not that I need the gifts, but that I seek the profit that is increasing on your behalf. And Paul basically said, I don't want the gifts, I don't need the help, but I I can't say no, because if I say no, then I'm saying no to God, who's going to give you the gifts for giving. And so I want to say thank you to this church and the people that helped. Um, and I hope and I pray as God increases the profit, whatever that might be, for you helping my family out. And thank you all. Yeah. My husband's usually the strong one, and I'm usually the teary-eyed one, so I think we're going to try to uh, roll reverse today. Um, it is true what he said. So he was on duty. He sent us away to his parents' house. They live northwest of Beaumont, and uh, we all know what happened in that area. So the Thursday before Harvey hit, the girls and I and Reed, who was still in utero, um, traveled to his parents' house. They live near Sour Lake. And then on Sunday, we all packed up again and left to Austin to stay with his sister um, because we were already experiencing flooding at his parents' house on Sunday. Our house flooded on the third day, on the 28th, and um, 
the only way that we really knew that our house flooded, um, neighbors were sending pictures, but then we had staged some cameras, one looking into the backyard and one looking into the front yard because I'm, I kind of like control and I like information. So for me, it was comforting to have those cameras in place. And then they did confirm for us that our house had flooded on the third day. So then we started the great unknown. Uh, we did not have flood insurance. We had no idea how we were going to get through this. Reed was born two days after Christmas, and our house was put together just a week before. I say put together. We had the Christmas tree up and decorations because Christmas is my favorite holiday, and you can't not have those things on, on Christmas. So um, we were able to get through all of that, the, the mucking out, um, putting our house back together in a very short period of time. Um, we made decisions early on, but what enabled us to make those decisions so quickly was the support that we had from Redeemer, from our work families. The fire department came through for us countless ways. Um, the International Firefighters Union actually showed up. They had put a crew together, uh, maybe 30 people from all over various states, and they converged on our house, and they did all the mucking out in about a day, day and a half. Um, but then the dry cleaning, uh, just simple things, right? Things that, so Matt Farlow said, what can we do to help? And uh, we, we packed up all the laundry, and I said, Matt, these are the things that need to be dry cleaned. Please don't worry about that. I'll put it in a separate bag. And he looked at me like I was crazy, and he said, give it to me. So uh, we, we had everything put back together. Um, it was just amazing. I think the two things that I learned the most out of all of this were a um, deeper understanding of gratitude and uh, generosity. So I had always considered myself to be a pretty generous person, and I was always grateful for everything, um, but I had a very shallow understanding of what that meant. Um, being pregnant, I appreciated having a functional toilet downstairs and not having to walk up and down the stairs. Um, I appreciated having running water, a sink downstairs that we could use and not having to use a water hose outside. Um, you, I learned to be so grateful for all the little things that we take for granted. For me, gratitude meant um, being gracious for things that were out of the ordinary or even extraordinary, not for everyday necessities. So thank you. Thank you all. We had just joined our small group. Didn't even make a single meeting before Harvey hit. <laughs> so Golly. probably six months later is when we finally were able to make those meetings with our small group. But they checked in with us through email. We didn't know who any of them were. Um, we knew, you know, kind of in passing. Um, but the relationships that we forged with our entire church family and our small group all came as a result of Harvey. So thank you. lost our um, uh, home in the flood, and uh, uh, we're a little bit different story. I stayed behind my wife and uh, my kids, and uh, sister had gone up to Dallas, and so, um, uh, so as soon as I could get back into the house, um, I remember going through and trying to, uh, you know, 
pick out, okay, the, the things that were rotting were the most important to get out, so, you know, to eliminate the, the smell and mess, and so, as I, I found as I was going through that first time, you'd, you'd pick up something, and um, uh, on your way out the door with it, you'd see something else, and, oop, that's a higher priority, and you kind of, so it was a little bit uh, overwhelming that first day, uh, which was a Saturday, came back, uh, went home that night to a couple I was staying with, and um, thought, well, a lot to do, but I'm going to uh, go to church the next morning. Got here, and um, Mitch called all of us up that uh, had had our homes flooded and, and uh, just asked for people that would come up and be willing to help. And uh, that afternoon, I had 13 people in my home just uh, you know working uh, to get things out. Um, and then the next, pretty much the next week, just uh, people from church that, had, that were here, a community group, and uh, people I didn't even know that well were over helping so tremendous um, outpouring of the church and, and support. Um, and then that continued on. Um, I've always been kind of on the uh, other end of that uh, situation, helping others. And so um, the, uh, I had uh, kind of learned to accept that, um, which was a little, di little bit difficult for me. But um, you learn a lot about um, others and yourself in that kind of situation. So um, great time for growth for both of us, um, but definitely um, grew uh, our family together uh, greater, and so uh, deeper relationships, and so, um, and, uh, but just the continuing support from the church and community group, and um, those things are just a, a really neat thing to see, and uh, um, much as I hate to admit it, it was nice being on the, you learn a lot more from the perspective when you're on the other end um, in the situation. So it's all good, and we're uh, better people for having gone through it. So we appreciate uh, everyone that you've been raised on and support. So. so I just wanted to say the irony is that um, yesterday was the anniversary of Harvey, and we moved the last things into our house. So um, it was nice to have the last of our remaining belongings um, back in our house, and it's interesting how as I unpack boxes, I go, do we really need this? Why do we have this? I'm not sure why we have all the things that we have had, but um, yeah, it's interesting, the perspective that we've gained, and um, just the trust, for me too, the trust of others um, cleaning cleaning out my closet. I mean, that was a big thing. I was in Dallas, and I heard that um, one of a guy friend um, from Redeemer was cleaning out my closet, and Ron told me on the phone, I said, he's in my closet. <laughs> a man's in my closet. But, you know, God even provided the perfect person to do that because I knew Guy's character was that he was not judging me for the shoes that were in the floor. Um <laughs> You know, my personal belongings that I knew were down low and were going to be gone through and tossed out. Um, but God grew me in trust. And so that was just, I just can't be more thankful for the love of this church, for um, the support, um, just the res restoration that God has um, blessed us with, uh, with relationships within, well, our neighborhood, our street, um, just in so many ways. So um, 
I think we now understand the meaning of rejoicing in all things. So, thank you. I was just going to put in a plug for community groups. The, the church was wonderful. Um, our community group was wonderful, sheltered us, helped us muck out, helped us move out, helped us move back in, and have uh, really been there every step of the way. Yeah, this was one of those valuable learning experiences my mother always told me about that I always hate. <laughs> but it was a valuable learning experience. If nothing else, it's a good reminder that uh, God is in control and I'm not. And sometimes he reminds me fairly gently, and sometimes he has to take a two-by-four upside my head. And this time he kind of took a wet two-by-four, but <laughs> he is in control. Whether I felt like it, whether I liked it, he was still in control. I would like to say something. Um, last year was the hardest time of my life. I um, hit rock bottom three times, and with God's love, um, my family and good friends have all helped me and um, Redeemer coming to Redeemer Church because I live in Houston. I don't live in Katy, and. It has helped me tremendous amount. I mean, my love and my faith for God, it's just helped me so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Don't leave yet. Oh, Lauren, I'm sorry. I thought you were passing up, but now, now you're ready. They talked me into it. So I didn't live in Katy. I still don't, but... Um, I didn't really know anybody here yet. I, I mean, I kind of had a few friends, but um, when it happened, I responded to that email. I got such a quick response, and then within a few days, there was just a bunch of these men at, at my house all the way across town helping me pack, and I mean, they let me like store stuff at their place, and I didn't even know them at all. And, um, and then that just kept happening. I just kept meeting more and more people that were just so willing to help in whatever way they could with furniture. I got into an apartment quickly um, and it was fully furnished. I don't, I still don't know how that happened at all. Um, and then, I mean, people helped me with my business um, just out of nowhere, just trying to give that little extra support in whatever way they could. And I've made so many friends that I just, I'm, so grateful for and um, like I said I hadn't been here for very long um, and I still it's only been you know a year and a half since I started coming here but this is where I feel the safest this, this is where I feel the most welcome and I'm just really grateful for the experience even though it was very hard and seems like it just dragged out forever um, God has just used it in so, so many great ways. Um, so many blessings have come out of it that I just never imagined could. So great. thank you for everybody and everything that y'all have done and just continue to do every all the time. Thanks, Lord. Our elders, I've asked them if they would be willing to come on up and pray. So uh, you men are here comes Chris Brian come on up 
Aaron, come on. If y'all could step forward maybe, and these guys can maybe just get behind you. But let's do it this way. Let's lay our hands on them. And as we do around here, if you'd like to, raise a hand as if you're joining us and laying hands on them. Why don't a couple of you men pray, and then I'll close us. Is that all right? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your constant provision to us. I thank you for your faithfulness that you continually show to us. As I remember back... uh, thinking about the experiences from a year ago, but more importantly, the stories of faithfulness that uh, each one of these up here this morning expressed and how you worked in their lives and how you worked through others. I thank you for uh, the the faithfulness of uh, everyone in this room and throughout our community uh, from all corners of this country of ours and even beyond who came to the aid of these individuals, both physically as well as uh, monetarily and in ways that lifted up their spirits and showed your love to each one of these. Father, I thank you for who you are. And Father, we do just thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you that you are a shelter in a physical storm or in the everyday storms of life, that we can trust in you, that your overwhelming love and mercy has no end. Father, we thank you for all of these uh, folks and uh, the stories that they have of how they've drawn closer to you. And we thank you for all the people you raised up across the nation to come help uh, muck out houses, to help rebuild homes, to restore lives, mostly to glorify your name, to give your name praise in this storm. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness to us. And Lord, um, we just know uh, in these lives, in these families, um, they still have struggles, they still um, have challenges, and we just pray that as they go forward, um, they would be confident in your love and that you would continue to bless them and provide for them. Um, Just help us all to rally to their support as they need. In Jesus' name. Lord, we all agree with these prayers and we're so grateful for your grace towards these men, these women, their children, for sustaining them, strengthening them, comforting them, helping them. We're so grateful, Lord, because of their faith. Such an example for all of us, an encouragement to us. So please, as as Chris just prayed, continue your mercies towards them. Um, Meet their every need, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And Lord, as you already have this morning, Would you, for the rest of their lives, use uh, this experience 
that they might testify to your goodness and your grace to their children and to their children's children. That this will be a, one of those markers to the faithfulness of God. And Lord, we pray for the men, the women, the children all over our city and all over Houston who still got a long way to go. Um, pray for all of the relief efforts that are still going on and still trying to organize the best way to do it a year later and how to step in and where to step in and all of that. Would you um, help those leaders here in our own city? Um, Joel Davidson over at the fellowship and Tom Preddy over at Grace and the board that they're putting together with Katie Responds. Um, Lord, help them. Provide for them. Bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. One last round of applause. All right. Well, we've got about 13 or 14 minutes or so. I'd love for you to look with me to, at 1 Peter chapter 5. Just in, in light of all that we've heard, um, we say it often around here that trials are God's required curriculum. They're not electives. Every one of us has gone through and will go through hard times. Just yesterday, Tara and I learned and then talked to a friend, 40 years old, wife and four kids, had a heart attack, best shape of his life. Every one of us men in here would love to look like this guy looks. He had a heart attack. Looks like he's going to be okay. This morning, I just heard of an old friend that I, I was at Plano Senior High. He was at Plano East. We grew up playing uh, baseball against each other, and then when I was at Plano and he was at East, we played against each other, and then... We ended up playing some softball together in the early 90s and mid-90s. Um, his wife just passed away. Lost a seven-year fight with cancer. And in the midst of it, I, I called him this morning when I heard it, sitting in there in my office, David, I'm so sorry. And what I didn't know was that nine years earlier that they'd lost their little 17-month-old girl. And so here's one of my old buddies. Lost a 17-month-old daughter nine years ago. Seven years ago, his wife gets diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and then two days ago, loses her. It just, and every one of us could go on and on, right, about what's going on in your life, your friend's life, your family's life. It's trials, hard times. In First Peter, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are going through hard, hard times, in chapter 1, he calls it various trials. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. In chapter 4, he calls it fiery ordeal among you. So it's a group of Christians that are going through hardship. And in the midst, well, as he brings the letter to a close, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, down through 11, we'll move quick. He says, therefore, I think he's summing up the whole letter. I don't, I don't think he's 
tying into the immediate context. I think he's bringing it to a close and, and drawing the letter to an end. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. No doubt through their hardships and trials they were experiencing anxiety. And Peter is urging them to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And he tells them how in verse 7. That's probably, if you have an NIV, maybe some of the other translations, they, they translate verse 7 as another imperative, as another command. Cast all your anxieties on him. But casting is probably is the right way to do it. It's a participle that tells us how we humble ourselves. And the way we do that is that we, when going through a hard time, we, we cast it upon God. I think the most obvious way to do that is in prayer. You talk to him about it. Because in prayer, in those prayers, in that casting of your anxiety upon him, that is humbling yourself before him. Because it's admitting that you don't have the wisdom to figure out the hard time you're going through, and you don't have the power to change the circumstances. And, and so you're casting it on him. You're, you're acknowledging that he does have the wisdom. He does have the power. You cast, you cast it, all of your anxieties, upon him because he cares for you. And he gives that wonderful expectation that he may exalt you at the proper time. Remember what Jesus had said, he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Peter, no doubt, has those, those words ringing in his ears. So we got to move fast, but are you going through a hard time right now? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God by casting your anxieties upon him. That's how you do it. He may exalt you at the proper time. What is that exaltation look like we're not exactly sure it may be spiritual blessing or just deeper intimacy with god and christ it may be new responsibility that god will give to you or honor that he brings your way they have the idea if if your Hardship and trouble is through persecution because of your faithfulness to Jesus. It may be that ultimate vindication that your faithfulness to him was right and good. But that's number one. I would say to you and to myself, and you're going through hard times, just keep going to God with it. Don't rage against him. Don't buck against him. Just keep casting it on him. And then he says in verse 8, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's just kind of that same idea that we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 
that the Thessalonians were going through hardship and tribulation, and, and Paul was concerned that Satan was going to get at them when they were in a very vulnerable place. When we're going through hardships, when we're going through trials, we can be vulnerable to our great enemy that would have us believe that God is not wise, that would have us believe that God does not care, that would have us believe that God can't come through and meet your needs. You're going to have to meet them yourself. You can't trust him. If you could, he wouldn't have allowed this to happen. Those kinds of lies, that kind of vulnerability, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The word sober seems to be that you and I are, are not, we're not meant to be so influenced by the stuff that we can see that we become totally numb to that which we can't. And in this context, what we can't see is our arch enemy who is out to get us. So Peter says, be sober. Be on the alert. Because in the midst of trial and hardship, we can get susceptible to the enemy's attacks. Such that we would, God is not good. God can't be trusted. I'm not going to follow him anymore. Verse 9, resist him. Firm in faith. I think again, firm in faith. That's how we resist him. Is we keep trusting God. We keep believing that indeed he is wise, indeed he does care for me, and indeed he can, in his due time, give me all that I need. I'm going to trust his word, even when I can't figure it out what he's doing. I'm going to resist the adversary and his attempts in the midst of my hardship to get me to, as Job's wife told him, curse God and die. Not going to go there. And peace like a river attendeth my way, or sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And so quickly, maybe in, it could be like this. In the midst of the hardship that you may be going through right now, or most assuredly will, keep going to God with it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. So there's that, that upward look. And then there's this, this outward alertness. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. And it may be in a context like this, Peter may be saying, and it's, and it's when hardship comes your way that you're most susceptible to his schemes. 
So be on the alert, be sober, stand firm, trusting God. And then finally, if there's a look up and there's a look out, maybe there's a look ahead. Verse 10. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Notice in verse 10 how long the suffering lasts. Just a little while. How long does the glory last? Eternal. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. This is the very end of the letter, the very beginning of the letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You've been born again by the mercy of God to a salvation that is sure. In verse 6, in this, in this salvation, you greatly rejoice even though now, here it is again, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. A little while. Sometimes it feels like a long while, I know. A little while. little while. And Peter will tell us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that this, this heaven and this earth so marred by sin now is going to pass away with a roar and the elements will melt with intense heat and a new heavens and a new earth will be established forevermore. No more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. We'll perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To whom, to him, be the dominion forever and ever. The Apostle Paul, I think, would say it like this. This is the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, talking about hardship and suffering for momentary, momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Light or momentary light affliction, eternal weight of glory. momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are unseen are eternal. So, as you and I go through 
our times. Let's keep going to God. Humble ourselves under his mighty hand, casting our anxieties upon him. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep coming to you. I don't understand it. I can't do anything about it, but I'm going to trust you, and let's be on the alert. In our most susceptible times, he would have us, he would destroy our faith and have us turn away from God. And let's look ahead. After you've suffered for a little while, the God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him. Be the glory and dominion forever and forever. Let's pray together. Lord, a year ago and over all this past year, our dear friends been through a hard time. And again, they have been such examples of of humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God, casting their anxieties upon you, of resisting the adversary who was surely after them, trying to destroy their faith, trying to destroy their hope. Maybe they had an eye to the eternal glory to come as well. May it be so of every one of us. Going through hardship now or tomorrow, Lord, would you help us in those times to keep our eyes on you, to resist the enemy. And to look forward in great, great hope. We've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. One day, you'll perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish us forevermore. Help us to trust, to obey to endure with joy because you care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, if you're new to Redeemer, we'd love for you to join me and my wife for lunch today. Again, we'll be down that hallway in about 15 minutes or so. May God bless you. You are sent to joyfully follow Jesus and help others do the same. Have a great week.